the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. Get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. John, I want way down. Oh, we are here, and I am John Harrison. I am not Soapy Dollar. Again, we are ringing in the new year tonight with We Are Soapyless. I can't hear. And I'm and I'm getting hand signals from our wonderful co-host here. And they're very, they're polite and moral. Yes. No, sir. You are number one. You're number no, one. No, I'm trying to say I can't hear, John. You turned me too low. Well, I was trying to turn I you know, up. I know, but uh, you stopped. It's it, it, it's uh, it's the fun of radio, ladies and gentlemen. Can you hear me now, sir? Is this a phone commercial? I don't know. I. Uh, How's that? Is that? I any think better? I hear you in this room, not on the earphones. Well, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll figure that out as we, as we go along. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Show, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you're having a wonderful weekend, and uh, s- thank you for tuning in t- tonight. We know you could be out there uh, celebrating the new year. Zero. Nothing. We know you're, you could be out somewhere celebrating the new year, so thank you for joining us tonight. And uh, Soapy's away from the studio. I hear he's very sick tonight. Uh, I can't hear a thing. I'm sorry, John. I hear you. Yes, Soapy's very sick. He's actually, he contacted me this afternoon, and he was very hoarse. However, he said if he's up to it, he's going to try to call in for a few minutes. And, of course, he can naturally stand as long as he wants, but he is very hoarse. Yeah, I, I, I had a friend once who told me he was a, a pony. And I said, you're a pony? He goes, yeah, I'm a little hoarse. Uh Okay, uh, John. Yes, I can't hear anything. Well, 
now, now I can hear myself real well. Because you're the only one talking. Oh, okay. Well, it is hard for me to find really good conversation anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's one thing to talk to yourself. It's another thing if you if you answer. Uh-huh. Well, you tonight, answer. That's... we're going to finish the book of Matthew. All That's right. in the Bible, in the first book in the New Testament, the Christian scriptures, you know. And, wait, uh, wait, wait. We're discussing the Bible on the Bible Life Quiz Show? We seem to be. And, uh, and Sorry, ladies say, and gentlemen, we're breaking into like an Olson and Johnson, Abbott and Costello routine here somewhere. Yeah, which one are you, Abbott or? Anyway, <laughs> the point is, is that we're going to start in chapter 10 and go to the end of Matthew. Uh, there's some very yeah, fine Matt. topics in there, and I've got all the questions that were prepared by Soapy and or his family. And somebody is, seems to be calling in. They Soapy were prepared with try to call in soft early on the show. Hands. And I'm guessing that might be Soapy. Let's see if it Sudsy. is. Sudsy. Okay. Empty Arms Hotel. Uh, yes, may I ask who's calling, please? Hey, Harold. Hold on just a moment. We do have a call. We do. And I hear nothing. Do you hear me now? No. And I cannot hear Harold. Is Harold on the line right now? He is now. I hear you. Harold, are you there? Yes. Can you turn Harold up just a tad, please? Hello? Uh, Harold, can you hear Harold, me? can you hear me? Harold. Uh, I'm sorry, John. I'm not hearing Harold at all. Hello, Harold. Are you there? Harold, are you there? Harold. What happened? Okay, it looks like we lost Harold. Oh. Well, at any rate, I, I'm, I, have to, I hate to ask this silly question, but am I on the air right now, John? Yes, you are. Oh, okay. Well, at any rate, um, the, uh, there's some very fine questions in here, and uh, Soaping, I believe his family, has picked some very fine questions. We're going to go from Matthew 10 to the end, and uh, actually, there's some fine questions. For example, starting in, uh, I'm going to throw out a few questions randomly, and let's see if anybody would like to call in. I do know it's New Year's Eve. Um, so, and uh, while John's trying to recapture all the sound, I hear myself big feedback right now. Oh, too loud. And uh, in the, in starting in John, uh, Matthew chapter 10, and uh, at, in verse 2, it says, uh, Now these are the uh, names of the 12 disciples. Name the 12 disciples. No, I'm kidding. I am joking. Okay, that was a joke. Okay? But, so all, all joking aside. Matthew, Mark, Luke. No, that's okay. I'm, I'm, Huey, I'm killing time. I'm trying Huey, to buy you time to fix this stuff. Huey, Dewey, Louie. Okay. Um, Peter. Well, here's an interesting question. Let's start off with this one. Uh, one of the questions that Sophie had picked... Uh, uh, it's according to Jesus. What is the only sin that cannot be forgiven? The answer is in 1231 of Matthew. 
and would some, if somebody would like to discuss it. By the way, if anybody has anything they want to say or talk about the book of Matthew or have something different they'd like to say, or if they even disagree with me, that's fine, too. They're welcome to call in, and we can discuss it. But one of the questions I'll ask... But they have to have a phone number. You know, that's a good point. It's an astute observation. Okay, well, since you're astuting, why don't you go ahead and astute further? It is 210. You gotta dial the area code now. It's two ten and it's three four zero nine five eight five. Again, two ten three four zero ninety five eighty five. And I know it's New Year's Eve and there's probably people doing a lot of things and getting ready for a lot of things. But if there's anybody out there that would love to talk with me, I would love to talk with them and I'm sure John would like to be involved also. At any rate, so one of the questions was, what is blasphemy? And the answer is in 1231, according to Jesus. Now, there's another one in here that I would like to pick. And I'm going to read the question and see what people can come up with here. Uh, When Jesus tested my faith by comparing me to a dog, I passed the test and he healed my daughter. Who am I? The answer is in Matthew 15, 21, 22. And that's always a fascinating question because there's no doubt that Jesus actually says it's not right to give the uh, to give it to the dogs, and she comes back with a very good response, saying even little dogs eat crumbs under the table. Right. Now the other one I'd like to get to is about the fish. Listen to this question in Matthew seventeen twenty seven. There is something fishy about the way Jesus paid his taxes. What did he do? This is the question about the, look, honestly, the coin in the fish's mouth. And uh, let's go ahead and discuss that one. So there's some two or three questions. And let's go ahead and talk about that if anybody has anything else. Um, John, I hate to ask you this. Um, is that, am I on? You are on. Yeah, okay. Yes, you're on. Okay. All right. I just want to be sure. So it's all fixed right now. Now, if Soapy calls in, because Soapy said he'll try to call in. So I hope he calls in. So, Soapy, if you're out there, please call in. We'll treat you like the honored guest that you are. Yes. In fact, we'll probably... And we hope you feel better. Uh, Yes, we, we do hope that. So let's talk a little bit. Let's talk a bit about Matthew. John, was Matthew a disciple of Jesus? I thought he was. Is that a yes or no? Which category would I put that into? Okay. I'm going to get a, give you a very definite maybe. No. <laughs> right. Well, there's no doubt about it. Yes. There's four Gospels, and one of them is, yes. the first one we're dealing with tonight is Matthew, right? So let's You ask, are correct. Mm-hmm. Well, let's ask the question. Uh, the last one I brought up about the fish in the, in the mouth of, um, I'm sorry, the coin in the fish's mouth. We've all seen the book. I've seen children's books with a picture of a fish on the cover with a gold coin in the fish's mouth. And that's uh, 1727. Let's just take a look at what that says. 1727. Oh, so, oh, turned the page too far. Sorry about that. Okay. Now, uh, and it reads like this. And it says six, tw- and 26 begins. When Peter said, from, uh, let me start the whole thing, verse 24. When they came to Capernaum, uh, those who collected taxes 
like two dramas, came to Peter and asked him, does your teacher not pay the two drama tax? I'm reading from NASB. 25. He said yes. And, he, and then when he came to the house, Jesus spoke to him first saying, what do you think, Simon? Simon Peter, obviously. From whom do the kings of the earth collect taxes uh, and customs and poll taxes? From their sons or from strangers? 26. And Peter said, well, from strangers. And Jesus said to him, then the sons are exempt from them? Go to the sea and throw in a hook and take out the first fish that comes up. And when you open his mouth, you will find a gold coin, or in this version says a shekel. Take that and give that to them for you and for me. So what's going on there, John? Say that again? Okay. Never mind. We'll just go on like you do that. How about this? Um, How about this? Now, why would Jesus do that? Why wouldn't he just say, John, hey, look in your hand. There's a coin. Go pay the tax. Or why didn't he say, hey, check your little coin purse there. There's a gold coin that just appeared. But instead he says, go out and catch a fish. And look in the first fish you catch. Look in its mouth. Okay. All right. And I know the standard teaching is this is a miracle, right? That Jesus made money up here. But let's go back and look at the verses themselves and see what they actually say again. He says, uh, Jesus said to him, Tell me, Simon Peter, right? Um, who do the kings of the earth, that's a clue, kings of the earth, collect taxes from? Uh, and the customs and poll taxes from their sons or from strangers. And Peter said, well, from strangers. Now, there's something going on here. What point is Jesus making? Hmm. Okay, the people that took over, the hum was a perfect answer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it means I'm thinking. Uh, well, no, I, th- I took it as a complete, complete answer. Can't you um, hear the hamster wheel going? Is that what that is? Um, the, um, but, okay, so Jesus is saying to Peter, let's picture this like it's a stage play. So Peter has been asked, do you pay the poll tax, the tax to speak at the temple? Did the Jews have ever imposed a tax to speak at the temple? Do you know? Okay, my, my guess is probably yes. Mm, I think you should stick to the um. The answer is no. Now, the point is the Jews didn't. Uh, You could speak at the temple, but when the real Levites, when the real priests were killed or fired and sent out, that's why John the Baptist is out there at the Jordan River because he's 100% Levite and he can't be in the temple anymore because they got rid of the real Levites and appoint their appointed people. And like Caiaphas is not a Levite. Now, so... So, geez, so they would now to collect taxes and money for all religious things that you did, you had to pay taxes to the temple. So somebody's asking Peter, well, does your master pay to speak? Well, he never had to pay to speak. That was the imposition put in by Pontius Pilate, uh, by Herod, and by their appointees, their lackeys, you might say, the, the appointed priest. And that's how they'd raise money. You said a grace over your lunch, you might owe a tax. Okay. Okay. So what's happening is 
he, somebody asked Peter, do we pay a tax to speak? And Jesus said, well, let me ask you a question. So who's paying this tax? The sons of kings or strangers? And Peter answered correctly, as Jesus said. He said, Peter said, well, uh, the strangers, mm-hmm. the sons of the king doesn't pay. Let's slow this down. And Jesus' acclamation is that he is the son of a king. Which king? God. And he's saying, if I am the son of this king, God, then, Peter, I don't have to pay taxes. I'm not a stranger in that temple. The strangers are the people that's been appointed to run the temple. But I don't have to pay to speak. I am the son of a king. That's his point. And then he says, but look, I don't want to offend anybody, so go out and catch a fish. But the question is, why didn't he just make a coin appear? Or make in Peter's hand? Or why didn't he just say, there's one in your little coin change purse there? I think, I know that I understand the teaching, but I, I'm going to offer a different point of view. I think Jesus is saying, I'm the son of the king. That's my father's house. That's God's house. That's his point. And he's saying, so therefore, I don't pay taxes to speak in my father's house because I'm the son of the king. But I'll tell you what I'll do. I will pay the tax when you can get money out of a fish's mouth. Ah. In other words, it's not going to happen. And so I'm not going to pay because you can't get money out of a fish's mouth. Because if you wanted to give him a coin, you could say, just kick the cut some dust. There's a coin laying right there. Anything. But Jesus is making a point that I'm the son of the king. I don't pay taxes to speak in the temple. I'm not a stranger. And I'll tell you what, but I'll tell you what I'll do. When you can get money out of a fish's mouth, I will pay it. Well, that's not going to happen. Because Jesus is, if if we're correct, that he's uh, proclaiming that he's the son of the king, God, then he doesn't pay taxes to speak. And then historically, there was no tax. That was a tax that was placed, and as this version says, as a, a poll tax or custom. Now, and that kind of ties in to the idea when earlier when Jesus, pardon me, when he went to the temple and he drove out the money changers. You familiar with that story, John? Yes, I have heard it. It's been a while. Okay. Notice the term, money changers. Okay. Now, that's very important to the story. First of all, who were these money changers, do you know? Not off the top of my head, no. Okay. How about off the bottom of your foot? Look at no, look on your cuff. No. How's that? Do you have it written there? Have I written? No. It's on okay. the tip of my tongue. I do see that. And I, uh, I, thought, I can't read it. I thought you were going to say Jose Silva. Saliva, you know. Um, but anyway, here's the point. The the Romans, and really through Herod, who appointed the temple. By the way, as an interesting side note, every morning at sunrise, the head priest at the temple had to go to Herod's castle and pick or his palace and pick up the high priest garments at sunrise. At sunset, the high priest of the temple had to return them to Herod. Well, the statement is very clear who's really running that temple. It's Herod. Mm -hmm. So they had a rule that these money changers were absolutely not allowed to be Jews. They had to be merchants from other groups of people, other nations. And that probably, correctly so, they thought that a Jew might give a Jew another break. But somebody that's not, that's just there for business, 
in the court of the Gentiles, you might say, mm-hmm. they could come and pay some money. Now, let's suppose that the coin of the realm was, uh, these are money changers. So, let's say that somebody came and they had some Roman coins with Caesar's picture on it, because we know those coins are around and they were used by the Romans. But you can't use a Roman coin at the temple. You have to use a shekel. Oh, wow. And uh, after, uh, after we complete Matthew tonight, we will be going back to the book of Numbers next week. And the book of Numbers, it makes it clear you must use the coin of the temple, which is a shekel, not a Roman coin. So it begins to focus why these people are money changers. Because what happens is they come up here and they have a Roman coin. Let's say, just for our purposes, say the coin's worth $20. And then they have, so they give them a Roman coin for $20. Well, the money changers takes the money, changes it to a shekel that he can use at the temple. However, the shekel's going to be worth a lot less than $20. And uh, if also if they have to buy, uh, say, two doves, something to sacrifice, a lamb perhaps, they may bring a lamb with them. Now, it's very clear in Leviticus. Well, that was the, wasn't that the most common thing to sacrifice was the lamb? Or am I understanding that wrong? Well, that's what's commanded for sure. But okay. it's either a goat or a lamb. A kid can be either one. But so, but, so what they do is they take the person's lamb, so, oh, well, that's not good enough. Uh, okay, so you got to buy one for me. And the guy might say, look, I only have Roman money, and i got to have a shekel. So the money changer would change the money to a different currency. And then he might keep his lamb and sell him back lamb. So they might make, you know, f- let's say $5 on the entire transaction. Now, out of that $5, the merchant's going to get something. The temple, the appointed priest by Herod's going to get something. And some of the money's going into the coffers to go back to Rome. FICA's uh, going to get some. Well, who is? FICA. Well, <laughs> you know what's interesting is you can't, You said FICA. I understand that that's a term that we use in our modern taxation, but it's very, it's very close to what the name of the term was among the Romans. It's called ficus, uh, ficus Judaicus. Really? Yeah, so it's very close. And it was the tax on the Jews. And so, with the, so that's why the money changers were there. And uh, so if, now I, I, I guess we only got a couple minutes before the first right, half. Right. So, and I guess Soapy, maybe he's not up to calling. But Soapy, if you're out there, you're certainly welcome to call, and we'll give you priority. We'd love to hear from you. And, and as I say, we'll give you priority if you call. So at any rate, um, I know we're talking about different aspects. That some of these questions are fascinating to me. Like, why did Jesus actually call the woman a dog? Now, the one of the, uh, that's a different question. And that's, uh, she says, the question is, who am I? That's a who am I question. But in that question, it is no doubt that Jesus calls her a dog. Now, I've heard most of the explanations are that Jesus himself is just using the vernacular of the day. And I've heard people say, oh, well, that's how the Jews refer to non-Jews or Gentiles. That's absolutely incorrect. And, and they, I understand that it would be improper for Jesus to call a woman who's asking for help for her daughter a dog. That seems very, very rude and very heartless, cruel even. Except that's not what he's saying. If you go back and you look in Deuteronomy, you'll find this. That a temple prostitute was referred to as a dog. 
her daughter, and one of the things that the and it said the clue is in the she's called a Phoenician woman, and the clue is the Phoenician woman used children, boys and girls, dressed them up as temple prostitutes. So when this woman comes to Jesus and says, uh, "Can uh, will you help my daughter? She's ill." It might have been a girl, might have been a boy. Who knows? But I know how many seconds we have, John. Four or five. We are about to go to a break, sir. Okay. So, we'll have more coming up in just a moment here on the Bible Live Quiz Show. And give us the number again. Uh, 210-340-9585. just want you to know you're, we appreciate you coming in even when Soapy's not here. And Soapy, uh-huh. if you're listening, get well soon. We will be right back. Stan Shelton, with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway, has taken care of the Dollar family that Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Have you seen a family divided over property after losing a loved one? Have you known someone who spent months or years fighting in court to receive the property that was left to them? Unfortunately, I often see families fighting in probate court. Wouldn't you like to avoid this situation? I'm Charlie Weisinger, board-certified estate planning attorney with Weisinger Law Firm. At Weisinger Law Firm, we can help you put a plan in place that avoids probate so your loved ones never have to set foot in a cold courtroom. Many times that plan includes a living trust. Let my team help you achieve peace through planning to ensure your family won't be stuck fighting it out in court. Just call 210-308-0800 and we'll help you get a plan in place. We're located just north of San Antonio in Selma, Texas. So call me, Charlie Weisinger, at 210-308-0800. That's 210-308-0800 or weisingerlawfirm.com. Weisinger Law Firm, peace through planning. Hey, this is Bob Olszewski. Thanks for listening to Plugged In. Chase Rice says his new album, Lambs and Lions, will show people a different side of who he is. And the popular country singer does work against his party boy reputation at times here, revealing a softer, more lamb-like side of himself in this album's vulnerable moments. He expresses regrets and acknowledges that not all of his choices have been good or right. No matter where we go, no matter what we do, Old habits still tend to die hard. A handful of profanities, alcohol references, and some sexual innuendo still find their way into the lyrical mix. So I'm giving Lambs and Lions a 2 out of 5 for family friendliness. For the full review of this album, be sure to visit us at PluggedIn.com slash radio. I'm Bob Olaszewski for Focus on the Families Plugged In. Find out more about your favorite programs and the ministries on AM630 The Word by going to the program guide at am630theword.com. There, you'll get connected to the ministry website, email, and phone number. Plus, find out when your favorite show airs on the program guide at am630theword.com.
the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Well, that was only partially right. You are listening to the Bible Live, but you're not listening to Soapy Dollar, unfortunately. Soapy is under the weather, not above it or beside it, just under it. And so he's away from the studio today, but we're you're ringing in the new year, eh, kind of, just a c- couple hours early, with us, Jacob, and I'm John Harrison, and this is the Bi- Bible Live Quiz Show. Thank you for joining us this Sunday evening. We are going through the book of... Matthew. That is correct, sir. Okay, are we ready now? And we have one of the best people here to take us through this. Jacob. Oh, I was looking for him. Oh, you have... Uh, Somebody's calling. Someone's calling, and you can tell... Well, while I'm taking that call, yes. tell them how they can call. Okay. John tells me I should tell everybody how they can call, even though it's New Year's Eve. They should call the phone number of 210-336... Oh, correction, correction. 340-9585. That's 210-340-9585. And who is that? And... Uh, we have Esther. Esther. Okay, we'll put Esther on. Hello, Esther. Uh, uh, hello. Thank you for taking my call. And uh, you said you're finishing the book of Matthew, and pretty much we can go in where we'd like. And so I had a question that I thought uh, might be uh, you could address. It's about the uh, ten virgins. Oh. And uh, I always wondered... What in the world if the five virgins who brought the oil, they had plenty of oil, they would not share. That doesn't sound very loving. So that always, I mean, why why are they so spectacularly uh, loving and acceptable in the eyes of God and they won't even share? So would you explain that? Well, uh, as best I can. Uh, and I guess, Esther... Um, uh, you know that the general teaching of that is the ten- that it's a lesson uh, out of chapter 25 that uh, a person should always be ready for the the Messiah, the Son of Man, to come. And if you're not, you right. won't, won't be included. And would you agree with me that's a general idea, that's a general Christian idea of teaching? Yep, that's what I've always heard, and that's what I've understood from that. Well, I'm going to offer a little different thought. Uh, I think in historical Jewish literature, the ten messing tribes are known as virgins. And so, and I think Jesus was very familiar with that, and I think he's talking about the ten messing tribes. What happens is, there is, um, there are, uh, there are, I'm sorry, we're having a little technical problem here. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay, great. I can hear you. All right, great. So, anyway, now what's interesting is this story actually took place in the book of Kings. And so, but it doesn't change the message. But what has personally has always troubled me when I started reading this was there is a spot Mm -hmm. where the ten foolish virgins go out to look for oil. So they're trying and they're actually looking for oil. What is your understanding of what the oil is? 
supposedly the uh, Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Well, you know that there's uh, these all ten virgins have a lamp. And five uh-huh. have extra oil in their vessels they carry evidently, and five do not. And the five that go in, they get to go in with the bridegroom, and the five, other five go out to look for oil. And and I guess that could be interpreted to mean that the oil that they the five foolish ones did not have the Holy Spirit, and and that's probably a legitimate way of interpreting that. However, historically, the oil was used because if you're familiar with in the Psalms and in the Proverbs, it says uh, it's a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So the lamp has to produce light. In other words, it is what I should know to teach, what should show on my feet, on who I am. And the light should light my path, how I walk. So the oil, uh, historically, actually was referring to what we might call learning or knowledge of the Torah. So okay. and so they're actually saying you don't have any oil so that you can produce light. Light would be on your path and doing the mitzvah or the good deeds. And so they're walking on the path, but they don't know exactly right from wrong because evidently they have not been taught. Mm-hmm. And so the oil okay. historically could actually mean that they don't have what makes light. Well, if you have a lamp, you've got to have oil in the lamp. And so that's actually what I think they're saying historically. Now, that I don't think that takes away from the meaning of the Ten Virgins. I, I think it corroborates it. That, But what does bother me is what you pointed out. If this were Jesus and uh, and he is the bridegroom, and he goes in with the five. The other five are mm-hmm. all looking for oil. They're not saying we don't want it. And so, and it, it always troubled me when I read it. Why would he close the door and say you can't get in? I understand the teaching yeah. that says, well, you have to be ready, and if you're not ready, you're just out. But then I'm confronted with the idea of the guy on the cross next to Jesus at the last minute. He's accepted. And Christianity has always taught the idea of... Uh, a deathbed conversion, even at the last minute, that's the important thing, the last minute of life. So why didn't these five foolish ones who are clearly demonstrating some type of effort to find oil, why didn't they get in? I'm, you follow me? Yeah. And so it troubles Yeah, that's me. what I was not. What are your thoughts on that? Do you have some thoughts? Uh, it just seems heartless. I mean, it really does seem heartless, but... Uh, to, to cut them off when they're just, I mean, people are ignorant, and at least they were trying, they were making an effort, and then they were locked out, it seems, I don't know, I, I don't want to say that I'm nicer than, than the Savior, but I don't think I would lock them out, so it really didn't make that much sense to me, to be a loving uh, father trying to redeem those who are seeking him. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, and I agree, and because uh, that's not my concept of the teaching of Jesus 
Christ or the Messiah. It's not my teaching, or my understanding, or my appreciation. It would seem that he's more open, and it would seem that he would say, well, well you five get in, but you other five don't. Well, would it trouble you if I suggested, and I'm not saying I'm right, somebody could disagree with me, but would it trouble you if I suggested that this bridegroom, there are good bridegrooms, there are bad bridegrooms, and suppose these five had married themselves to what we would call a bad bridegroom, and suppose it's not Jesus at all, but it's one of the old ancient kings that formed the northern kingdoms of Israel. Would that trouble you a great deal? No, that would be a brand new thought. You'll have to give me more information. Well, brand new thought. Well, uh, Jeroboam was originally the the main king that became the first one that took away the ten tribes. And in, mm-hmm. historically in Jewish literature, you will find that many times the ten tribes individually are referred to as virgins, but when they're all collectively together, they're referred to as the nation of the northern tribes is called Israel, and they're called the Virgin mm-hmm. Israel. If they're together in a collective kingdom, and actually one of the places you can find that is in the book of Amos and Hosea. It actually talks about that. So, it, okay. and it makes it comprehensible to me if this guy, if Jesus is telling a story about, you know, you all have to know about the Bible and what it says. And if you don't, now this is my take, and somebody could disagree, but um, uh, if he says you have to know the Bible, you have to know what it says, because how do you know what's right and what's wrong? And uh, mm-hmm. somebody would say, well, the Holy Spirit teaches me. Well, that's true, and I'm willing to believe that, except so often I hear people say, the, you know, you hear six people, and sometimes they'll all say the Holy Spirit's telling them something, and they all get something different from the Holy Spirit. And, and that makes me wonder yeah. if they're all accurate that the Holy Spirit's talking to them. Or yeah. we could write it down and see what the laws are. Now, the five that were inside going through the ceremony, you might say, with the bridegroom, they demonstrate they violated one of God's laws themselves. One of God's laws was they are supposed to help their brothers, or in this case, sisters. Well, yeah. And they didn't. Yeah. So, and, and so there were... At that time, now the story that comes right after that is a story about the, mm-hmm. I know I always shock people with this thought, and like I say, nobody has to agree with me, but uh, there's the story of the collecting of the talents, and it's one guy gets five, one guy gets two, and one guy gets one. The one that got five, he doubled it, he got ten. The guy that got two, he doubled it, he got four, right? Uh-huh. And then the one that... Uh, they got the one buried it in the ground, and the master comes along. Yes, and did you says, hear me? My take on that one, I have to say, I have to give you my take on that, that last one. Yeah. He was very hateful. He didn't trust God. He buried his coin in the dirt. He gave it back to him, chewed him out. Here, here's your money back. All right. <laughs> so. Yeah, go ahead and tell me. Well, no, and I'm not saying that that's not incorrect. I'm going to say that that is the general teaching. However, I interpret all these stories. I know Jesus was, you know, an Orthodox Jew, and we're told he didn't sin, which means he knew and obeyed all the laws. Mm -hmm. But but there's something fascinating, because... um, 
he says to the guy that buried it, I actually think the guy that buried it is the only one that was righteous. And and when the master comes, he says, you could have put my money in the hands of a bank. That's verse 27. That's uh, 25, 27. You could put my money in the hands of a bank, and at least my money would have made interest. I have never known anywhere in the Gospels Jesus to be interested in return and interest on his money. Now, if we make it an analogy and says, well, if God gives you a certain talent, certain calling, shall we say, you should increase it. Well, okay. But does that mean that if you don't and you've got a very quiet faith that's just personal and you're not the kind of person that can speak out loud and try to talk to people, does that mean you get your faith taken from you? I'm just, I'm not comfortable with that. But and I don't think it's okay. that. I think it's a, it's a king that was a successor to Jeroboam. And he mm-hmm. was, he would tax all ten tribes viciously and oppressively. And mm-hmm. he would take that money and give it to the king of Assyria so Assyria would allow him to become a vassal and stay the king of the northern uh, ten tribes or the, the formed country of Israel. And so that makes sense because I don't understand why he would say interest because God's law is very, very clear. You cannot charge interest on this. And yet this man seems to be interested in the money. Well, and we know that this king was the one that was oppressively charging everybody interest in money. And it's actually it's actually in the Bible. And so when I read that, I look well, at it different. Please go ahead. I'm sorry. The you cannot charge according to the Old Testament. You cannot charge your brother interest, but you can charge uh, interest. You can make interest at a bank, and then you have the other scriptures in the uh, Old Testament that say there should be no poor among you. There should be none, but since there are, because you're fallen, I will give more to some people. Uh, they will be given a uh, greater ability to earn money so that they can share. Mm-hmm. So there is that. But then there could be that other meaning that you're talking about, too. And then you also have another aspect to me. If you want to view God as a punishing God, you see, then if if you've grown up that way, thinking that God Almighty is sitting somewhere with a lightning rod in his hand ready to punish people, then you're going to latch on to everything that seems to uh, back that up. Like mm-hmm. you're going to say, well, look at that mean guy that hid that, that money. That was mean, but how can you blame him when look how unfair God is when he says, give everything to the guy that gained the double talents, the most talents. What was that, 10 mm-hmm. and 2 and 1? Yeah, and got 5 and he doubled it, and he got 2 and he doubled it. Yeah. That just seems like unfair. So if you want to think of of your creator as unfair, you've got ample opportunity to do well, listen so. Listen to verse uh, 25-29, and this is the verse mm-hmm. you're quoting. And uh, this is what I looked at when you quoted it. It says, For to everyone who has uh, more, 
to everyone who has, right. more shall be given, and it will be in abundance. Right. From the one who does not have, even what he has mm-hmm. shall be taken from him. So if we use the analogy yeah. that this guy had his own personal very segmented kind of quiet faith. He was not an advocate, and he certainly wasn't a person to go out and preach and share things. But he just had his own faith. And he did not make it grow, did not make, by analogy, interest on it. Then it seems to be saying in 29 that he would have his faith taken from him. And that troubles me a great deal because I I just don't think that's what the Bible, the New Testament, was teaching about Jesus. Look what verse 30 says, and throw the worthless servant out into Uh the darkness. And this is because the guy, yes, and the worthless slave is the one that buried it in the ground, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, and it also says a famous quote that very people are very much familiar with. It says, uh, well, you know, to the guy that made the ten and the guy that made the four, well done, good and faithful servant. And by the way, when Mark Twain, you know Mark Twain, he, when he was in Mississippi, he explains in his autobiography that they had a, uh, they had a, a Negro slave, a black slave, mm-hmm. and that she had mm-hmm. fallen on a stove and got burnt up, and they had to bury her because she passed away, and on her stone... On her tombstone, they put, well done, good and faithful servant. Oh, that is awful. Yes, I know. But Mark Mark, blame Mark Twain, don't blame me. That is the worst joke I've ever heard you tell. That is horrible. Oh, uh, uh, blame Mark Twain, don't blame me. Uh, okay, I'll do that. But there are a lot of opportunities in the Bible to see... Mm-hmm. Uh, your creator to seek him out as a good creator or a bad creator, an unfair creator, yeah, and I think that comes down to us from paganism. But I'm not uh, sure. I, there's no doubt. I, I have to recognize, and I do recognize that what I'm suggesting is 180 degrees out from the standard Christian take and standard Christian teaching. However, I, mm-hmm. and I'm sort of locked in with the idea that look, uh, the guy. He didn't go out and do something wrong according to God's laws. And these are their brothers. Because if it's Jesus, mm-hmm. Jesus was Jewish from the tribe of Judah, and he can't charge interest. But if it means something by analogy that you make your faith grow, and if you don't make your faith grow, well, you lose what you got. I'm troubled by that. But on the yeah. other hand, if it says, uh, if it's not, if it's the bad bridegroom, then it all makes sense. And the only guy in the story that didn't violate the laws of God was the guy that said, I'm not Mm -hmm. doing this, I'm not getting interest, because he actually says to the guy, and I don't think this is could possibly be Jesus, but he actually says, I knew you were a hard and bad man that reaped where you didn't sow. So, And that doesn't sound right to me. Yeah. Well, that uh, you've given proof positive that you cannot have the New Testament without delving into the Old Testament. And I'm going to work myself up into a ladder looking for the ten virgins as Israel. (laughs) Okay, well, I appreciate (laughs) it. Yeah, and I'm sure other people are going to be doing the same thing. I know, and I fully fully accept if somebody wants to disagree with me. I got that, and I also know I'm absolutely different than the standard teaching, but at least it's something to think about. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, carry on. Thank you for All taking right. my call, well, and I'm going to hang up and listen. Okay, thank you, Esther. Yeah, okay, night. let's go to uh, let's do Harold. John, can you pull up Harold there? Yes, he is. Harold, are you there? 
Yes. Harold, what is on your mind tonight, Harold? Yes. Oh, well, I could. I guess I could elaborate a little about a little bit about the ten virgins, um, if you want me to. That's up to you. What's on your mind? Well, um, there's been different takes and different stories, and everybody has an idea. Um, uh, it's not quite my own, but the only thing I would say, but I wouldn't want to elaborate on it, is that the ten, ten virgins are the missing tribes, and the reason they're virgins is because they're without sin. But anyway, that's not why I wanted to call. Um, I just wanted to finish up the last caller since you were discussing that. You know, I had y'all had said that Soapy Dollars is uh, sick and everything, and last week, you know, I called in, and I said I was all alone also, and my wife was actually sick in bed, and I had mentioned that on the radio, but she's doing better now, and I'm sure in a few days, Soapy Dollar will be better himself. You know, we do miss him. I know I do. Um, so I was going to say that, I, you know, my wife and I, we went to Barnes & Noble's uh, Friday, and I went through the Christian, you know, the Bible section, and I, I have every Bible there is, really, and I just wanted to see if they had anything new, and I didn't think I'd find anything, and I did find uh, NLT Bible uh, put out by Chuck Swindoll, and it's the same verses and, and everything, and I saw on uh, one of the pages he has his sermons mixed in with, you know, the scriptures and prayers and things, and the one that caught my eye was guidelines for marriage. So anyway, I walk up to the counter, and this young girl tells me, a very good choice. Why did you buy this? And I said, well, I'm very interested in marriage. And she looked at me a little bit puzzled, and I said, well, even though it's been 43 years, it seems there seems to be no end to the work on it. And she said, she just opened up and said, my daddy has told me the same thing, that marriage, daughter, is an everyday thing. You know, you have to keep working on it. There's not a day that you can go by without trying to improve in some way. And I just went back to the table. I was so touched and that is a big reason I go there, you know, to Barnes & Nobles, because the people there are just so honest and nice and forthcoming. But um, if you don't mind, um, there, there was a verse to that that Chuck Swindoll had, and it's in uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 32. And this is what caught my attention also, because I love this word, uh, when it says, this is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. And uh, I, I do think marriage is a complete mystery. I'm still trying to find out what, you know, what's going on. And um, Sophie's not there now. I was going to ask him, but I guess maybe I can ask John or, or you. You had mentioned... A story last week, and I'm kind of still in the in the Christmas spirit, and you know it's New Year's and all. And um, you're in the end of Matthew, and if you let me, I'll read the last verse, uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. Yeah, sure. And and uh, it, it says, "Teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments, all the commands I have given you." 
And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And it reminded me of that story you said last week. And I don't know if you wanted to share part of it or not, but I would really like to hear it again. And, um, you know, about the people in the church and uh, how you went to the church, you know, to get help and everything. And that's what Jesus is all about. You know, you know, we know what to do because of him. And uh, that's all I have to say tonight. But but if you'd like to elaborate on that story, I, I, I would really enjoy hearing it again. And I think some other people might also. Um, one last thing, and then I'll hang up. Yeah, the sure. uh, the uh, Antioch Baptist Church is going to be at our, our temple next Friday for Martin Luther King uh, weekend, and uh, we have an annual event. I mean, we, but I'm a member there at Temple Bethel. And Pastor Kemp's going to be there and uh, a lot of his church. And then on Sunday, we all go, who wants to, goes goes to his church at Antioch Baptist Church here in San Antonio. And my wife and I uh, go, always go, and uh, it's just a really enjoyable, 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 I'm trying to get that out, event to see two people, two different religions, shaking hands, under, I'm not saying we understand each other, but we're loving each other. And I've been there many times for Bible study, and I enjoy hearing the way Pastor Kent preaches, and um, I just hope maybe I'll see some... And what's the name of that church? Antioch, you say? Antioch Baptist Church. Okay. It's over on the side of Walters, and uh, like I say... I'll be there at the temple on Friday night, my wife and I. And You'll probably go to the Antioch, too. The only reason I'm rushing is because John signaled me we have, what, 30 seconds left, John? Oh, well, that's fine. If you, Hey, Jacob, yeah, that was you last week. If you want to mention some of that story, yeah, I appreciate sure. I'll be it. Happy don't have time, come I back. Well, I'll be happy to when you come back from the break, Harold. Sure. Okay, thank you very much. I'll call back next week if right. things are going good, okay? Thanks. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay. Anyway, folks, remember our our phone number. You know, it's Christmas Eve. It's still the same phone number. It's 210-340-9585. Actually, it's New Year's Eve. What'd I say? Christmas. Oh, it is New Year's Eve. I've been, I've been datedly corrected. You are listening to the Bible Live Quiz Show with Jacob. I'm filling in for uh, Soapy, but, you know, does anyone truly fill in for Soapy? Hey, stay tuned. Give us a call. More of the Bible Live Quiz Show coming up on KSLR. Get well soon, Soapy. We miss you. Listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Come, come. 
This is The Bible Life, and Sophie Dollar's away from the studio, but we do have Jacob taking us through Matthew today, and we want to thank you for being being with us this New Year's Eve, the last few hours of 2017, and for those of you wondering, that is indeed the Beach Boys singing the Lord's Prayer. Which is probably as novel for us as it was for them. And they say debtors. Instead of like trespass, you know, forgive us our trespasses. You you hear different uh, kind of, you know, twists. Forgive us our debtors, or as opposed to forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Uh Just an observation. Does that mean that if you do not forgive, you will not be forgiven? Did you ever think about that? Hmm. Food for thought. Okay. Well, anyway, let's go, go back, as I told Harold, I'd, go, I'd revisit. That's an interesting thing he quoted the last part of Matthew. It says, uh, once again, it says, uh, in the last verse, it says, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's got a lot of things in there to talk about. But it is interesting when he says commandments. And so he's obviously got... Uh, some commandments in mind. Some people would say what he was teaching. Some people would say he was teaching the commandments of the Torah, the Ten Commandments, perhaps. But the story that Harold was talking about, and I did tell it last week, so I'll just summarize it right now, is that uh, I did see this truck get towed away. It was a relatively new truck, and I did see this two families who were staying in a hotel. It was two men, two women, and four or five little children. They were put out to the street in the bushes. And I saw them, and I thought, well, that's pretty sad. This close to Christmas, and uh, and I, you know, I went about my business. The next day, since I had traveled that same route, I saw them again, still in these bushes out front of this nice hotel. And I thought, wow, they stayed out there overnight. I really didn't do anything that day. And the next morning, it was starting to get a little colder. I saw them again this time. There's a traffic light there. And uh, I saw this little girl, I'd say four years old, opening up a little suitcase and getting out this little pink dress. And she was evidently going to try to change clothes in the bushes and put on her little pink dress. And I was actually headed to a store, but I thought, you know what? The time's more valuable spent doing trying to give them a hand. So down the road, there was this big Presbyterian church, and I pulled in there, and I actually found one of the deacons or the associate pastor, and I told him about the situation. And he said he could probably make some calls. I said, had it been back in Texas, we could probably, I'd probably be able to call somebody here, but I was in another state. And I asked if... Uh, I asked if they could give a hand. Now, I do not know if he was successful or not or what happened. I do know when I went back there later that day in the afternoon, uh, all the eight or ten little suitcases they had was gone, and the kids were gone, and the adults were gone. So somewhere along the line, they, they got some help, whether of their own initiative or from that church. And I, I don't tell the story to pat myself on the back, but I do tell the story because last week was Christmas Eve. And it really, the point of last week was not what day was really Jesus born on, but Christmas Eve itself. And when they needed help, 
because of what took place on what we celebrate as Jesus' birth, Christmas Eve, we'll say, he actually started a teaching, a Christianity, and he also, the churches that exist today came from that, what occurred on Christmas Eve. So that's, it really struck me that I knew to go to a church for help for that family. And the reason I did is because of what happened in the story of the birth that celebrated as Christmas Eve. And so that is the teaching. And what really was existence even now, 2,000 years later, was that I knew where to go to get help for them. And that's a true story. I'm not telling the story to pat myself on the back because I didn't do anything except ask somebody else. No, but but it's not everybody that would do that, though. That would take time out and and think of someone else and... Well, uh, I I, ten, I hope that I hope you're wrong, John. No, no. Well, you know, I I think more people would than not. Uh-huh. I believe that. But so yeah, but you know, and I did realize as I was going to do the show last week, because Soapy was he was convinced to stay home on Christmas Eve, which he should with his family. And tonight, of course, he's sick. But uh, but as I thought about, it, I thought you know, I knew where to go because of what originated on Christmas Eve according to the book of Matthew. And so it is fascinating, and it is important. And I knew, even though I'm Jewish, I knew that the story, the place to go to get help for those people was at a church. And that would not have ever taken place had it not been for what's celebrated on Christmas Eve. Right? Exactly. Now, I would like to talk about one more, another question that's always fascinated me, and I'll tell you the truth. I've worked really hard on this question, but I'm not going to give the answer. Oh, you have, you have one. Okay. Huh? Oh, I wasn't sure if this was just a question you were throwing out there for us to answer. Yes, it's a question if, for you in the term of us to answer. Okay, okay. But you, uh, have, you have an answer. I'm but, not going to give it. Right, right. Okay. But... Uh, one of the questions that Soapy has prepared is, uh, how did Jesus use Psalm 110, verse 1, 110.1, to show that the Messiah would not only be the Son of David, but also the Son of God? The answers, the verses, I should say, are in Matthew twenty-two forty-three. But listen to the question again. How did Jesus use Psalm 110, verse 1, to show that the Messiah would not only be the Son of David, but also the Son of God. Well, when you go back and you read those verses, there's some fascinating verses. And you start wondering, well, exactly what does what is this about? I've worked really hard on that. And I, I, I think I have an answer, but I'd be really interested if anybody else has something they'd like to share. Okay, could you give the phone number one last time? I could. Oh, would you? Oh, yes, I would. It is uh, 210-340-9585. Again, 210-340-9585. And uh, those are, that actually... Operators are standing by. Yes, and if you order today, you'll get the combination hearing aid, Vegematic. And the Ginsu knife cuts through tin cans just as well as it cuts through tomatoes. Does it really? Apparently, I've never owned one. I've never owned a Ginsu knife or a pocket fisherman or any of that stuff. Well, here, here is the verses. Let me read these verses to you. They're fascinating verses. 
Now, it must have been something very important about this. And I know we can just take it on a matter of accepting generally what it says, but I tend not to do that. Let's see, and where are we at? 243. Um, uh, okay. And when the... Uh, what did I say? That was uh, 43. 33, yeah. Uh, uh, That's in uh, chapter Matthew 22, 43. And uh, here's how it goes. It says... And and starting at 41. Now, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question. What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, that would be the Pharisees to Jesus, the son of David. 43. Then he, Jesus, said to them, Then how does David in the Spirit call him Lord? And 44, he quotes Psalm 110. It's, the Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies beneath your feet. If David then calls him Lord, how is he David's son? Now, there's something very important going on there. And that's a very intriguing verse. Do you have any ideas what's going on there, John? That would be you. I, I do not. I'm sorry. Not at, the, not at this point in the juncture. Okay. Well, I, I, uh, I'm more interested in learning what other people have to right. say. So okay. if somebody wants to call in and share the answer to that, I am more than willing to learn from them. Um, now, there's another, famous quote. there's another famous example in there about a camel in the eye of a needle. And it, the question from Soapy is, what famous saying about a camel and a needle was inspired by a rich man who refused to follow Jesus? Because you remember the rich man comes up to Jesus and he says, what must I do to be saved? And after he leaves, Jesus says to his disciples, I'll tell you what, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to get into heaven, or a rich man to go through an eye of a needle than a camel to get to heaven. One of the two. No, I'm joking. Um, but so, uh, it's in 1924. What is that about? And the standard explanation I always hear from people is, well, there was a gate, and it was called a needle, and it's hard for a camel to get through, etc., etc. But I don't think that's the answer. I think that's a nice way of working at it. It's a nice way of trying to figure it out. But I don't think that's really what was going on. I think there's something else going on. And does anybody have any ideas I'd like to share? So there's two things. And I, I won't kid you, they're probably not easy, but they're fascinating. And John, have you been fascinated? I'm always fascinated by this program. <laughs> In one way or one, sh- one form or another. Uh, well... If you go back and you look in Matthew 2, you'll find out some really interesting things. There's a, there's the story of Jesus coming in riding on a donkey, and that comes from Zechariah. And the Jews have always had the idea that the Messiah would ride a donkey because a donkey is not a beast of war. It's a beast of 
uh, it's a beast of work, certainly, but it's a very meek, low-level beast that really doesn't, is not used for war. So it's more of a peaceful vehicle. Now, I'll tell you what's fascinating is when Jesus comes in and he talks about accepting uh, him and his teachings, and I think he was teaching what God had taught in the Torah. <clears throat> and I know today people are many times, and I've heard a lot of Christians say things like, well, you know, the, uh, they, the Jews just didn't get it that he was coming to save uh, to, to just as a savior and not as a warrior. Now, what I find fascinating in the book of Revelation, uh, the what takes place in there is very, very close to what the Jews have always understand the Messiah will do. And so on the second coming, the Jews uh, actually are going to get that thought fulfilled. Because we all know in the, in the Christian Bible, in the book of Revelation, when the Messiah returns, he comes back as a warrior. And that is exactly what Jews have always pictured. And I know that Jesus tells everybody, until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. So I always find it fascinating that what the Jews have thought was going to happen is actually the second coming of Jesus. Don't you find that fascinating, John? Absolutely. Okay, and I see you don't have any other comment about that. (laughs) There's another story. I'm just, I've thrown a couple out there, but I'm going to share one more. uh, Some of these are just just fascinating. Uh, fascinating is probably an overused word on this show. Anyway, but um, so there's a... Intriguing? Intriguing would be good. So there's a spot where Jesus sees some children. And he picks up the children. Let's let's talk a little bit about the Hebrew use of language and pictures, okay? Okay. We got a couple of minutes. So let's say there's some children. About 12. You're about 12? No, no. You said we have about two minutes. Oh. More about 12. Right, well. Or so. Uh-huh. Uh, see, and we've just some, wasted about 10 seconds talking about uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. Well, then there were some children were brought to him, Jesus, <laughs> uh, that he might lay his hands on them. And Jesus picked up the child, one child, and he said, Let the children alone. Do not hinder them from coming to me. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. And laying his hands on them, he then departed from there. Now, the story is, is that Jesus picked up the child. Now, the picture, in Hebrew, word pictures are always very, very important. Not just what was said. So Jesus picks up this child. So picture this in a crowd. Mm-hmm. And he picks up a child. And he says, as he's holding the child in the crowd... If your hand offends you, cut it off. If your foot offends you, cut it off. If your eye offends you, pluck it out. Now, what would you get out of this? In a crowd of people, if he picks up a child and he's saying to the crowd something about a hand, what is it that you do? Get the picture. What do you do with your hand and a child? You spank them? You hit them. Not just spank. You hit them. And what would you do with your foot and a child? Well, I would say you'd kick them. you kick them. And then he says something about if your eye offends you, what was the generally an eye used for? For seeing. 
something else that's lascivious. Oh, uh, well, uh, the word lusting. Lust. Lust comes to now, mind. Now, what he's talking about in that parable. That involves the heart, too. Well, he doesn't mention the heart, though. No, I know, I know. But, but, uh, but okay, but limited to the four corners of the document. Sure. Um, so what we got is you've got the picture, but the picture is so important to understanding the context. Right. So he picks up the child, and he says, if your hand or your foot... In other words, he's actually talking about, because the story also comes from other Jewish stories that are very, very similar to that. And what he's saying is, it's about child abuse. You don't hit them, you don't kick them, and you don't lust after them. No sex with children. That's what that story is about. And there's other stories very, very similar in Jewish history and even in the Talmud in different places that teaches that kind of thing, that how you do not abuse children. Now, that was quite antithetical to the Greeks, to the Romans, that in the Roman laws, I've been told, that they actually felt they had the right, since they were the parent of a child, they actually had the right to kill a child until, you might say, it was retroactive abortion. But they had the right to Mm. kill children because they were the parent of the child. So the the children were almost like just property in that respect. Worse than property. Probably worse than property. But in the Jewish world, children are never supposed to be abused. And Jesus was teaching the world Especially still, the still relevant today. <laughs> you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to hit them. You, now there is a proverb: or "Spare the rod, spoil the child." There wasn't a not a prohibition against discipline or even spanking, but you don't take your hand and hit a child. You don't kick them, and you certainly don't use them for lust. That parable, that story, in that setting, he picks up a child, puts him in his lap, and talks to the crowd. I picture this like this. There was somebody that was hurting that child in that crowd. And he was saying, look, you don't hit them, you don't kick them, and you don't use them for sex. I think that's what he was saying. And I also think that because there are other stories of very similar nature that are told in other contexts. So what do you think about that? No, it's, 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 a, it's a wonderful story. It's, as I said, you know, it's, it's, it's relevant to any generation to... You know, that's something we should all try to live our lives by not abusing others and respecting even even the children, the the smallest among us, respecting everyone's dignity. Well, okay. Is there anything I'm going to give you a chance? Is there anything in the book of Matthew that you have always found particularly intriguing? Oh, you love putting me on the spot, don't I you? do, I do. I'm, in fact, I'm enjoying this very I never much. know where the spot is until he puts me on it. Uh-huh. And he's put me on it right now. It's in this chair. Uh-huh. Give me some... Is this multiple choice? No, uh, you can pick anything you want in the book of uh, Matthew. <laughs> oh. Oh, you've got... Okay, my mind's just not working tonight. That's I'm, okay. Well, let's go back and look at one. Now, we've talked about the camel. We've talked yes. about the uh, the coin in the fish's mouth. We've talked about uh, uh, the dog. And a, lot, we, a lot of animal stuff. Well, they lived in an agricultural society, of course. So there is something interesting in Matthew 15. Okay. And it starts off like this. Now, when some Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from uh, from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. 
and 3, Jesus answered them and said to them, Why do you transgress the commandments of God for the sake of your trans, uh, your tradition? Now, let's take a look. Jesus was defending the commandments. The story is that these guys were defending the tradition. Correct? You yes. Agree? Okay. Now, what commandment is Jesus talking about there? Do you, can, do you know? Hmm. Well, he actually says it in verse 4. Okay. May, okay. may I assist? Please, please do. Uh, he said, Jesus says, For God said, Honor your father and mother. Yes. Uh, and he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. Does that seem pretty harsh? Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't sound like punishment. I mean, the you know, punishment fits the crime. But, but it is not to honor your father or mother. By this, you have invalidated the word of God for the sake of your tradition. Now, by the way, I'll just tell you that it wasn't just cursing or saying something bad about your parents. There's a, it's got to be much, much, much worse than that. I mean, you've really got to be an abuser of your parents, you might say. Physically? Physically. Speaking? Okay. Yeah. And so, but what's interesting is this. This starts off by them talking about picking grain, when, but not washing their hands. Well, we all know washing hands is a good thing. What's the problem with that? I, I beats me. Ah, uh, is the, when I first read that in in the Christian scriptures in the book of Matthew, I said, "Well, wait a minute. There's something wrong with this story, because when you go through a field, you are not allowed to harvest that stealing. But if you travel through a field in in Israel, and let's say it's a cornfield, you can pick a stock of corn, an ear of corn, and eat it." It's not theft. In fact, did you know there's a law in Deuteronomy that says you may do this? So, lend me your ear. Huh? I said, lend me your ear. You stole my joke. I'm so sorry. No, no, it's okay. It's. uh, (laughs) I was going to say, sure. They said, yeah, lend me your ear. But I let you all with ears listen to me. Anyway, but uh, but uh, okay. So ears looking at you. But but the point is, is that there's nothing wrong with picking an ear of corn. You can't harvest that stealing, but you can pick an ear and eat it. But he's saying something about you transgress, transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition. And he's then he says, look, uh, he says, but you're not doing that. Is What is the problem? It's not washing the hands. He's not objecting to washing your hands. Okay. So then he's not objecting to eating ear of corn. He can't because that's God's laws. So what in the world is he talking about when he says, honor your father and mother? Now, how is he pulling that up against something on the ear of corn about washing your hands? The reason I like going through this, I spend a lot of time reading these things mm-hmm. and researching them and trying to figure out, now, wait a minute, let's think about this. The washing the hands seems to be the initial issue. His response is, well, you, for your tradition, you say, don't, uh, you're not honoring your father and mother. So what is going on? Wait, you're not honoring your father and mother? I want to make sure I heard, heard that right. You're not well, let me honoring read it your mother to you. Let me read it to you. So, no, let me read it so there's no confusion. Okay. Uh, they said, look, you're, you're not, your disciples are not washing their hands. Verse uh, 3, and Jesus said to them, well, why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? Verse 4, for God said, honor your father and mother, and he who speaks evil shall be put to death. But you say, who, uh, but you say, 
whoever to his father or mother, whatever I have would help you has been given to God. Hmm. Do you understand what's going on? What's going on in a nutshell is this. Uh, They were being told, don't dedicate things to your parents, dedicate them to God. And they'd be set aside so they were, somebody was teaching that you could let your mother and father go hungry as long as you washed your hands, but you could let your mother and father go hungry and you were then dedicating it to God before the time was due because you're telling them, I can't feed you because I've dedicated that to God in the future. And uh, that's Corban. But that's, that's, Mm -hmm. and what he's saying is, no, more important than that is your mother and father. Feed your mother and father. Honor your mother and father by taking care of them. And historically, that's what that's been about, is taking care of your mother and father when they get old. That's what that is all about. Anyway, uh, and I'd like to say, I know we're signing off, so I'd like to say we'll see Soapy next week. And I'd like to say, uh, as I always say, uh, be the kind of person you would like to have for a parent. Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Bible Live Quiz Show. We'll be back next week. You're listening to KSLR. Have a great new year. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.